Welcome to the Pastor's Cut. This week we're on with Phil Adams, pastor in our Rogers Park network up on the north side of the city, and we're talking about what got cut from his sermon on Acts chapter 5, verses 12 to 42. And we get to discuss a listener question as well. And so if you have any questions, go ahead and send those in. You can email us at podcast at parkcommunitychurch.org, or just drop a comment wherever you happen to be listening. We'd love to see what you're wanting to hear more about. So let's get started. I'm Trevor Lovell, and this is The Pastor's Cut with Phil Adams. Phil, good to have you on the show. It's good to be here. Yes. Yeah, man. I hope you've been enjoying the the warmer weather and the sunshine lately. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. I didn't realize it was so warm today. I seen people sitting outside and check the temperature. So yeah. Yeah. It's nice. Nice to get some sunshine. It's nice when uh, that's like the one positive thing. I think when the, like the time change happens in the spring, cause you, you lose an mm. hour. So it's painful in that way, but then yeah. there's like, there's light again, which is, yeah. But you can't trick the kids into going to bed earlier. That's no. that's that's the issue. Can't tell them at six, it's nine, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Someone just, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So I wanted to, um, I kind of wanted to open up with a question here that that's unique to you, Phil, in particular, because, uh, you know, you and your, you and Ruth are from Ireland, from the UK, um, and, but living over here in the States in Chicago. Yeah. And so, um, as an ex, as an ex patriot, what's something that you would want people to know about that experience of being an expatriate? Um, yeah, that's a really, that's a really good question. Um, I think I was thinking about it earlier when you told me you were going to ask that. And I think, um, yeah, something that I've, I've seen not only in my own experience, but working a lot with people from other countries, um, is just the idea that to, to allow people to, to be the expert of their own country and their own culture, which may sound like a really obvious thing, but you, you'd be surprised how often, um, folks have read a book or seen a movie or, you know, visited a country or your, your country, um, and then want to, to tell you about what they've learned. And, um, that's good. But I think, uh, I probably something I've noticed is just to to uh, come to people from other countries um, for, with the posture of like recognizing that they know about their culture and their country and to treat them as an expert in that um, to to really like glean and 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 listen from them and then to to frame whatever um, you've heard or read or seen um, kind of from. Uh, within the, 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 the narrative that they give you. Um, and I think that's just, I think that's respectful, um, to, to, uh, to folks and, um, uh, yeah, people, people love, um, from other countries, like they love to be able to share the story of their country or their culture and, um, giving space for them to do that, I think is really, um, kind. (laughs) Oh, that's good stuff. Yeah. It actually, it makes me even think that in some ways, um, like you, like the identity of where you're from almost, it can become stronger when you leave. Right. And you're somewhere else. Cause that's yeah. part of what's That's like what makes you different. Right. Makes you distinct. Yep. And that's the first time. And I think like for me and Ruth, yeah. Realizing, you know, when you're outside of Ireland, like it's the first time you really realize you're, you are different. Like you have your own culture and you actually are starting to learn what those cultural differences are. Um, you know, people ask, is that like, we'll say to us, you know, is that an Irish thing? And we're like, is it, you know, you, t- you tell me, we're not sure. You go, well, that's normal for us. It's not normal for you. So you actually start, you actually start to learn the, the things about your culture that makes you distinct, um, which is really cool. And I think for definitely for Ruth and I, it's really um, grown in us a love for 
um, Ireland and um, in, in many different ways um, that I think in some sense we maybe might not have um, uh, grown in that kind of same kind of love if we, we had stayed there, which is, which is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Man, good stuff. Um, man, so you preached this past weekend at uh, Subka Sahara in South Rogers Park, right? Yep. Yeah. Acts yes. chapter uh, five, verse 12 to 42. Yeah, just a few verses. Yeah, just a couple, couple. Could you give us a quick recap on your sermon? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it, it, this is a passage. It's one of those passages that's a real story. So you just get to really, you know, immerse yourself in the story of what's going on. And um, you see that there's like rising oppression um, and rising kind of persecution uh, amongst the early church and from the the religious leaders. Um, so what you see happening is they're performing miracles and they're they're healing people. And the high priest um, it says rises up and he arrests the apostles and uh, puts them in prison. Then the angel comes and um, frees them and, and tells them to to, to go uh, back to the very same place that they. Um, uh, had gotten trouble and kind of go to the center of, of uh, par for the Pharisees to go to the temple and begin uh, teaching and preaching there, and there. so that they go and the, the uh, high priest um, doesn't even realize that uh, the, the angel has um, released them from um, uh, prison and the guards don't even know. So the high priest gets there uh, and is trying to arrange his counsel to, to, to get, uh, go through another trial um, with the apostles. Don't need to find out. Someone says, look, and they're actually, they're actually at the front of the temple um, already uh, teaching. Um, and then he, they have a conversation and Peter speaks, which is a lot of what I uh, shared in the, in the, the sermon. Um, and, uh, what Peter says and really just communicates the gospel to them and says that he has to obey God rather than man. And then the, the Pharisees and the high priests get super angry and want to kill the apostles. Um, and then uh, the, the, the apostles that, uh, are taken to another council and a Pharisee um, called Gam- Gamaliel um, kind of stops them from um, killing them and says, let's, let's hold, let's wait, that, that they may be speaking from God or they may not. And if they're not from God, that it'll feel. If they are from God, we don't want to oppose God. But it kind of is also interesting because Gamaliel doesn't really seem to care which way that it goes. And um, uh, they end up taking in his advice. Um, they end up beating the apostles um, and then uh, releasing them. And then there's this um, incredible verse in verse um, 40, 41 where it says, um, uh, then they left the presence of council after being beaten, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And then every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. So the two, so there's a number of themes um, throughout on my message, but the two big ideas was just recognizing the joy and the courage in the apostles' lives, their joy and their courage, um, but also just how this relates to their to their obedience. That's kind of what you see through throughout it is the, the, the angel tells them, go to the temple, and it says they obeyed. And then when the high priest actually asks the um uh, apostles and Peter, why did you disobey us? Why did you continue to teach? He says, we had to obey God rather than men. And then even in another verse later on, again, it mentions, um, living a life aligned, they're aligned with the Holy spirit. Um, and that again is, is through their obedience. So this idea of obedience, um, something that I, that I focused on a lot, um, in the message. Um, but even more so that the deeper than this idea of a 
obedience, just the idea of living a, a meaningful life. And I don't think we, we always connect those, the idea of obedience with living a meaningful life. But one of the things I wanted to, our, our folks to really see on Sunday, that the acts of God or the purposes of God in the world, that they will come to completion. God's plan for the world is indomitable. It is unstoppable. The, king, the kingdom of God is coming um, and the kingdom of God is the only kingdom that, that's going to last. And we see this in, um, in verse 32 that, that Peter says to the high priest, um, he talks about how God is working in the world, his plan of redemption for forgiveness of sins. And then the, Peter says, we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit. So Peter's recognizing that he um, can be active in the world and he can actually align his life with what God is doing through the Holy Spirit. Um, and I wanted our, our folks to see in Sunday that that is, that is the pathway and the only pathway to living a meaningful life is obedience um, because everything that's not of God, every, every desire in our hearts, every plan, every activity, every, everything that we might build with our lives um, that is not of God, um, it, it ultimately is going to uh, feel and it's going to be, it's going to turn down. It'll come to nothing. Um, it'll be blown like chaff. Um, in the wind. So if we want to, to, to live a meaningful life, that pathway is the path of aligning our lives with the Holy Spirit through obedience. It might be harder. It might mean suffering. Um, uh, in this passage, the, the, the um, apostles were risking their lives and yet obedience to God is it's really the only path to um, living a, a meaningful life. Um, and that, and a commitment to living that meaningful life in obedience um, takes courage. Yeah. It takes courage. Um, one of the things I, I, I pointed out was sometimes we can get caught up in the idea of persecution um, and trying to consider, it, are we under persecution? Is persecution coming here? Um, and I think sometimes we miss just the, the, even the more obvious thing that, that, that we see in scripture is that living a courageous life um, is always an option. Um, it's always a choice. Uh, regardless of whether persecution is going around you and we're live, we're called to live that Christ-like courageous life um, through our obedience um, to him. And then the final thing was just fo focusing on joy, um, which I would like to have given more time to, so we can maybe um, talk yeah. about that in, in the, in the, in yeah. the cuts. Um, but uh, yeah, just that um, uh, calling our folks to, 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 to like the apostles rejoice in the decisions that, that you've made, um, the commitments you've made, the courage that, that our folks have had to demonstrate their allegiance to Jesus. Cause that's what the suffering, um, that they experienced. It was, it was the evidence that they were living an obedient life. Um, and they were rejoicing in that suffering, which seems very countercultural, um, and it is countercultural, but it was it was rejoicing in the recognition um, and the evidence that they um, had given their lives to Jesus um, and their allegiance um, was to Him. So, just calling our folks to um, you know rejoice that maybe your family is calling you, you to live a more comfortable life or to to move somewhere, and yet yet for Jesus you you, you stay here um, or whatever that is for you. Maybe you know you're um, you're, 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 you're single and your friends think you're crazy. And yet, you know, in your heart for Jesus, you're single and to, to, to rejoice, um, in that, that you've given your life to Jesus and all of that, all of that entails then knowing that the death isn't, is not, is not the end, knowing that you're a child, um, of the King to rejoice, um, in those things, but particularly rejoice in the evidences that you see in your lives, that you've made decisions that prove, um, yeah. that you're his. So that, that's, uh, Oh, yeah. 
overview of, of um, some of the things I brought out on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of like the connection I feel like between those, those ideas of joy and courage and obedience is, is kind of fascinating, especially in the way you brought it out with, with the passage, just that, um, that a lot of times there's like, there's like voices, right. Culturally, that'll be saying like joy can be found here or like, this is where joy is. And so it's almost like, you know, living in a, like in a more desirable location, that's where joy is or having this relationship. Whereas, um, it's, it's like, I feel like what you were unpacking is this idea that like obedience is actually, it takes courage to believe that obedience is where true joy is found. And, yeah. uh, yeah. And to live yeah. according to that. Cause you're basically saying no to all of these things that, that promise joy, um, yeah. believing that obedience can deliver it better. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One of the things that I, I, I pointed out or just to try and get folks to understand that was that, 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 that Adam and Adam and Eve, um, you know, before sin that they were given a mandate to, to go and be fruitful and have dominion over the earth. And that, that word dominion, um, could be translated to, to rule, um, so, so in a sense, it, it's not even a stretch to say that, that Adam and Eve, yes, they're the first man and the first woman, but they're also, you could say, the first king and the first queen. Um, and yet that when they sinned and they rejected God, they, they, there's been a loss for humanity. And that's why we call it the fall. Um, and you could say that they, they lost their um, sense of, of royalty um, and their uniqueness in the world. And, uh, and due to um, disobedience that, that that humanity lost who we were created to actually be um and so therefore in obedience we're actually turning back the clock um on sin and what sin has done to our lives and i love the way you say that that, that the courage is actually believing that that even though it's hard even though it's difficult and may even first face persecution that obedience is actually the pathway um to to to, to living fully fully who god created us to be um i think a way that i put it is regaining the robes of righteousness in our lives yeah that's good that's some nice alliteration I got three in a row, regaining yeah. the robes, righteousness. Yeah, yeah that's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So, um, you, real quick, you had this other idea, too, that I thought was interesting, was this way that God is very particular about how he reveals his presence and, and getting at, like, the, the angel uh, coming in the middle of the night to release Peter. Not this, like, kind of big miraculous display, but very, um, like, not many, hardly anybody sees it, right? Could you, could you talk a little bit about that idea? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, what you see in the passage is, is how, uh, like kind of the ways of the world and the kingdom of God uh, are kind of like they're, they're placed beside each other. That, that, that Luke, he, he writes that the high priest rose up and it's very public and you could actually translate um, them being thrown into public prison. Uh, you could actually translate that they were thrown into prison publicly. So there's just this, this, this publicness, obviousness, visibleness to it. And then right next verse, the next verse, the angel comes under darkness, releases the apostles and the guards don't even know that, that it happened. Um, so one, one of the things that I was just, just trying to, encourage and, and, and point out to our folks, you know, that, that, that God is always very um, particular throughout the whole, um, the whole Bible about revealing his visible presence. And, um, and yet in that, I think we see truly that, that how big God is and that we don't, we don't, um, we don't own him, um, that we are not in control of, of, of how he shows up in, in our lives. And, um, and yet when he got, God does show up, um, 
in gentleness or quietness or stillness, not to, not to diminish that, um, that that does not discredit in any way that God is speaking into your life. Um, and that there, there is something in this, in this world of, uh, kind of, you know, like microwaves and Alexa on call and Netflix binging. There's something that we are so, um, uh, attuned or, uh, normative what's around us is a world that's shaped for us. And I think there's something in, in God being elusive and distant is actually God's way of saying, like, I'm not yours. You know, I don't just bend, um, to humanity's will. And I'm like, I am my own, um, person. Um, and I'm not about your convenience. Um, and I think there's something in that where the, the, the sensing the afarness of God is actually proof that, that I am is here. When I say I am, I mean like the, 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 the foundation of everything exists. Um, and, and, and he is uh, so holy, so righteous, so perfect, so bigger than us. Um, that, uh, there's something in the fact that he's not here that actually proves that he actually is in the sense that he is so much bigger than we can even um, imagine. Yeah. Yeah. It, when you were saying that, when you're describing it, it just reminded me of Joshua chapter five, when um, they, you know, they cross over the, the Jordan and it's before they go and Jericho falls, but they have this conversation. It's actually just Joshua and the angel who's like the commander of God's army. Um, and basically Joshua goes and asks him a question. Are you for us or for our adversaries? Are you for us or are you against us? And, and the angel just answers, no, uh, but I'm the commander of the army of the Lord. And basically like, I'm not, it's not a matter of whether I'm for or against you. It's, it's whether, yeah. you're, whether you're with me or not. Basically. Yeah. That's good. That's good. I like that. Yeah. 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 There's, yeah. There's something in that, that I think our desire, you know, questioning, Oh, why doesn't good God just reveal himself or why doesn't, why can't we see him? There's something in that, that our posture is our expectation is that God's, you know, under our thumb and, and, he, and he's really not, he chooses to work in his own ways. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good, man. So there was plenty of stuff that was good and solid in your sermon, but, but what about what got cut? What do you have for us there? Yeah, there was just one, one thing that I would have liked to be of of brought out more was just you know when Peter when he's responding to the council um, and they're asking him why did they disobey him and go back to the temple, um, you know, or, or Peter, sorry, Peter, he he says you know we we must obey God rather than man, and then he really he really confronts the high priests with the gospel message and says the God of our fathers raised Jesus whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. So he really puts. Um, these religious leaders right into the heart of the crucifixion and said, you killed the, the, the Christ. And which obviously is what got them very angry um, that, 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 that Peter would say that. But I think um, what's interesting is, and what is what they missed. Um, and is what sometimes I think when, when we can miss, when we're confronted with our own sin is Peter immediately goes and transitions and points to the, the very forgiveness that is available to them um, through the cross and they missed it. You know, that they, they didn't, um, they didn't see it. They were just so angry at the accusation that they were sinners that they missed um, the, the, the fact that, that, that Christ was actually um, creating a way that it says to give repentance to Israel, which was them um, and forgiveness of sins. Um, so, just just that this that idea for for us and for um 
you know, folks as well out there that yes, the gospel message um, confronts um, and offends us. Um, and yet it is also just a message of incredible beauty and grace and, and, and where we actually find um, uh, forgiveness of sins and to, to, to embrace that and um, uh, not to miss that by, by dwelling on the offense. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. That was um, just, well, that was, yeah, that was something that I yeah skimmed yeah. over. Yeah. No, it, you, you mentioned earlier, you wanted to talk a little bit more about joy. Um, what were some of the things yeah. you want? You had some other stuff on that, right? Yeah. Just, well, I, I didn't even have uh, a ton more stuff. I just know that at the end of the sermon, I, I, I would have loved to have just talked more on the idea of joy. Um, a quote that I read in preparation was that if you can't destroy the joy of Christians, but only increase it by beating them, then Christians are the most indomitably happy people in the world. Um, which is what you, which is, you know, drawing out of the end of, of the passage, how the apostles that they, um, they left the prison rejoicing in their suffering. Um, and yet just this, just this idea of what it means for Christians to be a joyful people. Philippians four, verse four says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. A second Corinthians six, 10 says sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. And, um, yeah, I, I even even talk to yourself, Trevor. Just what 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 does what does that mean for us? You know, in a world where there's so much brokenness and so much pain, um, and even uh, I think there is something um, tr- very true to be said that often we 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 miss and skip grieving the brokenness of the world and we want to distract ourselves and numb ourselves from um the things we see around us in society that that point to the brokenness and suffering um so i think there definitely is a place for you know second corinthians 6 10 this is sorrowful and we should yeah. be sorrowful um for for the many things that are broken in the world um yeah. and yet at the same time there's a clear mm-hmm. command mandate expectation that followers of jesus will always um be joyful and that's just something that's been stirring in my own life like what what does that what does that look like it's something that i you know in my own story have really um struggled with you know how are you meant to um it feels like you're doing an injustice or you're not acknowledging or uh not even giving dignity to people that are suffering if if you um would be flippantly just rejoicing in what you've got or what you know. Um, so it's something that I've struggled with and yet I kind of get away from it that we should be that the followers of Jesus knowing what Christ has done, knowing that his um, plan for the world will come to completion, knowing that he's a God of grace and mercy. Um, and he is in control in all ways that we cannot see. And he's right in that control and sovereignty um, should give us a deep, deep, kind of abiding um joy that uh yeah. truly in christ everything is going to be okay <laughs> yeah. and um and i think there's something comp- if we if we get this right if we get this idea of being a people that that truly acknowledge sin and pain and don't um hide ourselves from it but are seen to be people that run to it and get involved in it um, and bring christ into it in that and then in that space are joyful. I think that's incredibly compelling for the world. Um, I think if we only look joyful in ourselves and because because we're not looking at something, um, yeah. that's a problem. But it's also yeah. a problem if we just uh, don't um, 
celebrate the joy that we have in knowing Jesus, um, you know, coming up even on, on Easter, like what, I don't know, it would have been an exaggeration Trevor to say like the, the, that if Christ hadn't rose from the dead, it would be the end of the world, <laughs> you know, like the end of all hope and all yeah. possibility. Um, the, 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 I don't know how, how the world would have mm-hmm. trinkled into nothingness or, or I, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. So just the, the, just the belief that God has chosen in grace to continue holding the, the world in his hands um, and to be active in it. And there's still, hope for people to come to Christ. Um, yeah. Should, should, should give us joy. And I'm trying to work out how to be joyful, but not diminish, um, you know, injustices and suffering in the world. Yeah. Yeah. That is interesting. It makes me even think of, I mean, like a couple things, um, that joy is one of the, it's one aspect of the fruit of the spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, mm-hmm. um, patience and the rest of them. Exactly. Um, and kind of that connection to like abiding, um, and being filled with the spirit. But then also, if you go over to the Beatitudes, uh, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. And that word blessed, uh, makarios, I want to say is the Greek word, which could also be translated happy, right? Happy are, um, happy are those who mourn. And it's like that same kind of strange combination of joy and sorrow. Um, yeah. Yeah. And actually, interestingly, to um, John 15, is, there's this connection with obedience and joy. If you keep my commands, you will abide in my love, uh, just as I have kept my Father's commands and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that you may be in, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may yeah. be full. Um, yeah. so just that connection between obedience and joy um, mm. is, is incredible, too. And I didn't bring that out um, in, the, in the sermon uh, on Sunday as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Man, good stuff. Fruit of the Spirit, joy. That's mm-hmm. what the Holy Spirit should be doing within us. And even that idea that Christ's joy becomes our joy. Yeah. 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 Man, good stuff. Um, let's let's jump to our listener question here, kind of at the, our, our closing segment. So we got one that actually uh, ties pretty well into your own story, uh, your own experience. But this is what it is. How should I, as a follower of Jesus approach the decision of whether or not I should move? How should I, as a follower of Jesus, approach the decision of whether or not I should move? And I think that means not so much like moving maybe like from one apartment to another, but like, like maybe more drastic in the city or yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Um, I think probably there's just a question like the ultimate, like there's a question, a more ultimate question that has to come before that one, which is have I surrendered my life? to Christ, you know, like, have I literally given my life and my life's purpose, um, to him and is my goal to find, as we talked about all, all meaning and joy and obedience to him. And, and uh, that's, you can have, you can have that, you can commit to that and dwell on that and lean into that. And, 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 and that's, that's the, that's the call of discipleship. You know, that's, that's the, the call of what it means to be a, a follower of Jesus to say, God, I will, Christ, I will follow you, um, wherever you lead me. Um, so there needs to be, I think there needs to be that, um, sense of, of, of commitment and calling and sentness, you might call it, um, just an intentionality that God has you in this world for a purpose. So acknowledging all of that, um, first to realize your, your life is wrapped, um, 
up in that. Like that's, 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 that's who you are is to be a follower of Jesus um, and give your all to him. So I think dwelling on that, acknowledging that and committing to that. Um, and I think that's what then opens the the door to recognizing that there is a path of obedience. There is a path of faithfulness um, in your life that might mean going somewhere and it might mean staying. And uh, the challenge in a sense is, is then being able to discern uh, the spirit, what the spirit's doing and leading you towards um, within yourself. Um, and I think that's where you, you, you there is a, a searching of scripture. There's, there's, there's times of time in prayer, um, uh, talking to other followers, of Christ around you, talking to your pastor, your church, um, you know, not doing it, not making these decisions in isolation. Um, and then, yeah, just, just uh, something I've just in my own life, like there, 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 I've had a, um, there's been seasons where I've been like open to anything, Lord, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I surrender all even ministry. If you don't want me in ministry anymore, if you don't want me to be a pastor, if you don't like, I'm open. And yet God, um, he has his ways of kind of narrowing your options, you know, and, and, and usually you have a path that's in front of you. You have to make quite tangible, um, decisions. And then in, in those decisions, um, where where is the Lord truly leading you to 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 build His kingdom, to see His kingdom come? Um, second, is it Frederick Buchner, where the needs of the world and the the deepest passions of your heart meet, mm. or you know, this is something something like that? Um, and I think that's something just to to work through. Um, but uh, I, I I do think too, some folks would say, and I think there is truth in this although i do think the holy spirit does speak with clarity i think we, we diminish him if we think that mm-hmm. that god the holy spirit doesn't speak in clarity but i also mm-hmm. think that if you get that first piece to really submit your life and to the lord um that in a sense there's many options in a sense that that that, that you're 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 walking in his ways in the world um, and uh, wherever he leads you is is exciting and good because ultimately you're you're there to proclaim Christ. You're there to bring the kingdom into darkness, um, wh- wherever you go. So there's again there's 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 joy um, in in knowing that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. And I feel like when it comes to this idea of faithfulness, right, which is which is wrapped up with obedience and with stewardship um, and kind of. Um, all, kind of that way of thinking and those, those ideas that I feel like one of the most significant areas of faithfulness is when it comes to that, like following that path, like there's a, there's a kind of a specific path that that is laid yeah. out for each person. Not that you don't get the whole thing at once um, that comes in stages, but um, yeah. And it's interesting yeah. just the way the spirit does guide us um, internally, but also externally, like you're saying, mm. community. Uh, scripture yeah. other followers of jesus um, I, yeah absolutely yeah. and i'm just i'm just convinced too that something within the church that we need to um you know elevate is just the really the 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 expectancy that that like like that, that much is at stake in your life you know and, and and getting folks to realize that you only get one life and yeah. you can you can't waste it you know that's very clear yeah. in the new testament scripture that like is don't waste your life you know like don't build up treasure that's going to rust and, and feed mm-hmm. um build up treasure in heaven and um i think a lot of people are just have 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 made decisions at some point yes i'm a follower of jesus but i'm not 
I'm not radical, you know, or I'm a follower of Jesus, but I'm not, I'm not like I tithe and I come to church, but there's other Christians that, 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 that are entrepreneurial in their faith and um, are going to lead the church. And, um, and I think we got to, I think we got to create a, a greater expectation that the Holy Spirit is active in our church. And that means he's active in your life and that God could do incredible things for you, for the kingdom um, through your obedience and to, to, to get folks excited um, about that, that uh, there really is no one like on the bench or in the on this on the side um that there's incredible uh kingdom beauty that can come through our lives and there should be a yearning and excitement to 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 chase after that yeah 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 wherever you go absolutely yeah yeah it makes me think of like one of your big ideas right that when we align ourselves to god's will or what god is doing in the world we become what god is doing in the world yeah and there's meaning there there's joy there um yeah yeah. yeah. Well, Phil, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been great. Um, yeah. yeah, I've enjoyed it very much. Praise the Lord. Yeah, it's a good time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us this week. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, as always, if you've got any questions, go ahead and send those in. You can email us at podcast at parkcommunitychurch.org or just drop a comment wherever you happen to be listening. Thanks again. We'll be back next week with a new episode.